Good morning, everyone. It is the 11th of January, and I'm joined today by Seamus Lyons, Niall MacDonald, and Asim Kadri. Seamus, if we cut through this melodrama in Washington, the big news of the week was really the Senate runoffs in Georgia and this double Democrat win. Is the reflation trade now back on? Good morning, Lorna. In short, yes, but maybe a quick reminder. So we had two Senate seats up for grabs in Georgia following no clear winner during the November elections. The Democrats won both seats. They would have 50 seats in the Senate. And combined with the vote of the Vice President Camilla Harris, they would have a majority. And so indeed, as you said, they won both seats. And this now means the Democrats control all three legislative offices in the US and should have an easier time in pursuing their political agenda. Uh, this agenda should mean further fiscal stimulus, hopefully bolster the economic recovery. And so, yes, the blue wave, seem, the blue wave trade seems to be back on. Small caps outperform large caps by a wide margin on the week and value stock outpace growth stocks as well. So, so combined with the continued rollout of the COVID-19 vaccines and expected economic recovery in the second half of this year into 2022, we may well have the right ingredients in place for more cyclical parts of the market or value stocks more broadly to finally begin to enjoy a more sustained period of outperformance from here. Yes, good news for cyclical equities. But Niall, we saw yields on the US 10-year Treasury push back above 1%. Any thoughts on that? Yes, indeed, Lorna. So the US 10-year pushed through 1% and reached 1.1. So it's the highest level since the COVID crisis began back in March. So when bond yields rise, uh, bond prices fall, unfortunately. So what we've seen is negative returns across the board from developed market government bonds. And this has had a knock-on impact. So rates have risen in Germany and also across Europe and even in the UK as a result. And how does that play out then on the credit markets? Yeah, excellent point, Lorna. The rates component, so the interest rate sensitivity of corporate bonds is tied into these rising government bond yields. So we're seeing negative returns across the board due to the duration component of um, the US investment grade corporate bond. Euro is not as sensitive to interest rate. It has a lower duration. So it's not as largely impacted as what we've seen in the US space. Thanks for that. So back to the short-term view, though, Seamus, and we saw these U.S. non-farm payroll figures. That seems to reflect a poor situation with COVID lockdowns, perhaps. Yes. So, I mean, with all the drama in Washington and Georgia, one could have almost overlooked some of the other big stories in the week, maybe before farm payroll. So on Tuesday and Wednesday, we had some PMI figures in the U.S., both came in significantly higher than expected. So the manufacturing PMI came in above 60, the highest level since August 2018. And the ISM services PMI also surprised very much to the upside. So very strong, good news. But then on Friday, non-farm payrolls came out, which is a gauge on, on the labor market, and it did not paint a pretty picture at all. We actually saw 140,000 job losses in December, marking the first monthly decline since April. I mean, it was mixed as well because we did have the October-November uh, figures were revised upwards significantly, but very much a mixed picture. And the December losses were actually mostly related to jobs in, in bars, restaurants, leisure activities, obviously very much impacted by coronavirus containment measures. So yeah, very much a mixed week on the economic data front. So that mixed week possibly contributing to the weaker dollar that we've seen recently, and that's given a milestone moment for China's currency, the renminbi. Could you talk us through that then, please, Asim? Yes, that's right, Lorna. So last week we saw China's currency rally to its highest level in two and a half years. So as you touched upon, the renminbi crossed 6.5 to the dollar, uh, which is roughly the level it was before President Trump initiated the trade war uh, between the U.S. and China in mid-2018. So there have been a number of factors that have supported the rally in the currency um, that we've seen over the last eight months. So obviously, China's strong economic recovery from the COVID crisis and also hopes of calmer relations between the U.S. and China. 
you know, under a Biden administration. And as you alluded to, weakness in the US dollar over the last year or so has obviously been an important factor uh, also behind the rally. I would just note that Chinese policymakers appear pretty keen to slow the rise in the currency, and they've sent a number of signals suggesting that they're uncomfortable with the rally, given the detrimental impact a stronger currency would have on China's exports and therefore the broader economic rebound. So I would say that policy action to curb the rise is likely. But we have in the meantime seen China's CSI index recovered levels not seen since 2008. Yeah, really, this year, or the start of this year has been a continuation of what we saw last year. And yeah, as you're right, so the domestic XP index has risen to a 13-year high in China, and that marks a 50% rally since the drop in March last year. So a number of factors have driven this, but one thing I will say is that the market gains look more sustainable at the moment compared to previous peaks, such as 2015. That's due to Chinese policymakers taking steps over recent months to limit the extent of kind of speculative retail buying. If we turn to the week ahead, then we'll stay with China if we could, Asim. We've got some um, trade figures that you mentioned. They're coming through later this week, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. Uh, they'll be released on Thursday. China's exports have remained pretty resilient during the crisis, um, obviously due to the fact that most global economies have been in lockdown, whereas China haven't. I'd expect these figures to remain pretty strong in the short term, although they're probably weaken over the more medium term this year as other economies open up. And Seamus, the U.S., fourth quarter reporting season starts. We have the bank's earnings on Friday. Any thoughts there? Yes, indeed. So another quarter of earnings seasons begins in earnest this week. Yeah, so Friday we have JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, Citigroup, so a lot of the big US financials. Markets will be very focused on this. I mean, Q4 was a very strong period of market performance and very strong returns, uh, stock market returns from some of these banks and, uh, you know, even some of the more cyclical areas. So in order to, to justify some of those moves, we need to see some good earnings. And so the markets will be very focused on it. There is expectations that they will do quite well and meet their earnings estimates. But um, again, it's going to be a key area of interest for the markets for sure. Yes, yeah, sounds like another fascinating week ahead. Thank you all very much indeed. Thank you, Lorna. Thanks, Lorna. Thank you, Lorna.